If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. TNT. TNT. It is indeed the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk, and it's Friday. How exciting. I love Friday. Even working on Friday, I love Friday. It's an exciting day. And uh, as I say, welcome to the show. Thank you always for all of your communications on email, um, on X, on Instagram, in the live chat here. Good morning, everybody in the live chat and uh, to Shug and Peter and Shin and Zoe. Good morning to you all. Let's have an amazing, amazing day. And first of all, I can barely contain myself. Some extremely exciting news. You may have heard this on Dean Mackin's show. And if not, I am delighted, delighted to inform you that TNT will be live and direct in London this month at the Julian Assange hearing. So exciting. Last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 at the High Court in London. This is to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. And TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. And after that, TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London, lighten the fuse for freedom, today's news talk TNT. And this is what we want from our news broadcasters, right? Exactly this. I'm so excited by this because as a journalist, one has, has to ask, what was Julian Assange's great crime for which he has been essentially locked up for 12 years, isolated, removed really from the lives of his wife and his children? Because even though they visit him, that's not much for life, is it? What did he do? His crime was being a journalist. That's right. He's been tortured for this crime of publishing details of war crimes that the US committed in Afghanistan. The whistleblower has been locked up, had his life essentially removed from him, stripped away from him, while the people responsible have not even been investigated. What does that tell you about our world? It tells you plenty, right? And meanwhile, there is a separate case which is also taking place in Spain regarding Julian and regarding the security firm who were put in place at the Ecuadorian embassy to protect him. But there are very grave and serious allegations that far from protecting him, they were supplying information about him, about his family, about the people who visited him to the CIA. Julian Assange, it, it absolutely does my head in that more journalists do not stand up for Julian Assange. So I am so delighted to be part of an organization that is doing so. That is Friday's good news, right? And before I continue, I just want to say, do you have a suggestion for a possible guest that you would like to hear on TNT because we're listening, right? Or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss, then we want to hear from you. We genuinely do. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT website. Help us make a difference on today's News Talk TNT. And on that note, I just want to, I noted that Harry and Meghan, busybodies, Harry and Meghan, if you remember this week, of course, um, the social media heads such as Mark Zuckerberg 
has been testifying in the US Congress. This is because social media platforms, X, Instagram, Meta, TikTok, um, Snapchat, etc., uh, have been extensively accused of enabling child abuse online. And Harry and Meghan, not ones to miss an opportunity to leap on other people's misery, are there and they've re uh, released a video and they've released a statement via Archwell, their charity. And they are telling um, families of young cyber bullied victims that we all just want to feel safe online. They're using highly emotive language accompanied by by their intentions of calling for urgent change in online space. Who are they to be calling for such? The thing that I've learned over a period of many years as a journalist is oftentimes the people who seek to clamp down on our freedom of speech are those who are subject to some of the most criticism. And people like Harry and Meghan, they use people's fears, including child abuse, to censor the internet. They are part of an agenda to censor the internet. They 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 turn they they talk about how their priority is to turn pain into purpose. It's all very flowery, emotive language. And um Harry was talking about how they've provided a spotlight and platform for parents to come together and collectively come up with solutions so that other families don't have to to go through what these families have gone through. Don't get me wrong. Some children have been subject to horrendous things that they've seen on the internet. And there have been children who have been found and the internet is, you know, on next to them. But let us be really clear about this. Harry and Meghan have extremely questionable values regarding this issue. They are highly criticized online, highly. And uh, they were talking about, you know, in their speech that fortunately their children are quite young, so it's not an immediate concern for them. They are an immediate concern for us. I will be back shortly with Basil Valentine. This is today's News Talk TNT. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio TNT. Hello there. Oh, I've got it. I think We're I back. think we are back. We are. We are absolutely back. I had somebody talking in my ear. I apologize for that. Wonderful to have you with us on Friday. I am joined by Basil Valentine. How are you, Basil? Good morning, Sonia. And hello to our viewers and listeners all around the world. It's great to be with you. Absolutely, indeed. And uh, obviously, you're standing in for Gemma today. Gemma is off on some training, I believe, and uh, as we all do from time to time. And uh, Basil, what are you going to talk with us about today? Well, very quickly, first, uh, further to the Julian Assange situation. Um, surprisingly, an exhibition marking the many awards and honours given to the WikiLeaks founder is to be held from the 6th to the 8th of February at the European Parliament in Strasbourg, of all places. Um, which, when you consider how Julian was being vilified by anybody holding any kind of elected office only a couple of years ago, is indicative of the inroads into the establishment that the campaign has made. And it's really only now American hardliners, and I'm sorry to say, some in the British establishment as well, that seem to want to prolong his agony. 
I mean, this is a fact. You don't need to be sorry to say it at all. It is an absolute fact. You know, all these other countries have um, complied with the requirements of the Spanish judge. And the only two countries that are holding out from, from giving the actual information that is required is ta -da 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 -da, America and England. Outrageous. Well, you know, the process for Julian Assange has been the punishment, hasn't it, largely? It's a horrendous experience this man has been put through. Yes, I mean, he's been persecuted. It's been a you know, particularly vindictive way of prosecuting him. There's no reason why he shouldn't be out on bail at the moment. Even if he wasn't on bail, there's no reason why he should be held in a maximum security unit at Belmarsh Prison. He could be in an open prison, which would be far more suitable. Uh, he poses no threat to anybody in any violent sense. So, yeah, he's been persecuted. There's no doubt about it. But on a positive note, the exhibition titled The Assange Case, Awards and Rewards, is scheduled to take place during the plenary session of the European Parliament. So his wife, Stella Assange, Dominique Pradale, president of the International Federation of Journalists, German writer Gunter Walroff, and a lawyer for Assange will be in attendance at the formal inauguration of the event on February the 6th. I mean, this indicates a degree of uh, cross-party support which he hasn't enjoyed in the past because right. the americans can ignore it then ignore public opinion in europe as a matter of routine but it's getting increasingly difficult for them to go ahead with this and still claim to be in favor of free speech democracy and all the other things they like to crow about Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So February is going to be an interesting month for Julian Assange. About time, you know, and uh, and also I, I hear that the Australian government now are putting some pressure on. Well, that's also about time as well, isn't it? So um, absolutely more than about time yeah. for this man and his family. Absolutely outrageous what he has been subjected to. When you think that the perpetrators have been subjected to absolutely nothing, they do. They go after the whistleblowers, which is why I hold whistleblowers in such high esteem, Basil, because it takes a lot, doesn't it? To, because you know you're putting your life and livelihood on the line when you do that. Yeah, we should have more whistleblowers and uh, we should have legal protection for them, if you ask me, Sonia. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So talk to me. What are we here to discuss today? A couple of stories from the dreadful world of British politics, which is surely at a low ebb in terms of the quality of leadership that we are being presented with in this and election year. It seems unthinkable almost that uh, by you know the autumn or whenever, uh, either Rishi Sunak or Keir Starmer will be given a mandate for the next five years. Um, George Galloway, of course, is standing for the Workers' Party on an anti-genocide platform in the upcoming Rochdale by-election. And it looks like there might be quite a lot of independence. Uh, there's another candidate that in Garston that I've recently been in touch with on the X platform uh, for the left unity party. Plus, of course, some from the uh, right wing anti-Tory parties like Reform and all that. And the Green Party in Bristol, who are targeting individual seats to try and break this duopoly that's been strangling us with neoliberalism in Britain for the last 40 years. Uh, but unfortunately, of course, the first past the post system in the UK means it's extremely difficult for new parties to break through. Therefore, yes. 
sadly, the likelihood is the Labour Party currently, I think, four to one on with the bookmakers to form the next government. Um, that means the bookmakers give them an 80 percent chance of being the next government. Uh, they held their uh, at this point in the cycle traditional meeting with business leaders, because, of course, the Labour Party in the past has it has been claimed posed a threat to business, but not with Keir Starmer. He stressed stability and no surprises at a meeting yesterday at the Oval Cricket Ground in South London, where hundreds of industry leaders heard about his plans for reinvigorating the British economy. I've no idea what they are because uh, he didn't go into much detail. He never does. But what we can say about Keir Starmer is that if he said one thing today, he's likely to say something else next week. That is sadly a, a statement of truth. Keir Starmer, isn't he like the love child of Tony Blair and Margaret Thatcher or something? I mean, he's definitely sort of an amalgamation of the pair of them, but he changes like the weather. He's like a weather vane, isn't he? One minute he's on his knee for Black Lives Matter and the next he's saying, yes, of course, men can become women and then in the next. Oh, I'm not sure about that. And it's really, I, I really detest politicians like him, Basil, because how can you trust somebody who switches and changes, you know, according to what the public want that you've got to stand for something or you fall for anything as uh, I think Malcolm X once famously said yes uh, I mean he claimed when he became Labour leader early on and certainly when he was campaigning to be Labour leader uh, that he would continue with the Labour Party's extremely popular policy of bringing the water companies and the railways back into public ownership but he has already ditched that commitment, unsurprisingly, even though, as we all know, Sonia, we have been ripped off. The great privatisation swindle, the British public was swindled out of their national assets. And as a result, we have sewage in our rivers and in our seas and a crumbling rail network. It's appalling. But he's trying to, um, you know, sweet talk the business leaders. Brioche rolls stuffed with sausages and bacon were served to accompany the speech <laughs> in which he spelled out how Labour will seek to boost the city and promote the financial sector more broadly. Now, you can say what you like about Jeremy Corbyn, and I disagree with him on all sorts of things, but at least the Labour Party claimed to be for the many and not the few. It seems now that all the parties in Britain are for the few. They're globalists. I mean, the thing is, is, is out of the 500 plus MPs, almost all of them are globalists. I, I saw a poll the other day which said that um, in Labour, I think it was something like 48 percent of Friends of Israel. Well, already you have a problem yes. because that, that makes them compromise to a certain degree. And of course, the same can be said for all the other parties as well. There is not one party that is untouched in their Friends for Israel um, allyship. So it is a problem. Our MPs are compromised. And of course, if they're friends of Israel, they are globalists because these, these things are a given. So I don't trust them. I am politically homeless these days, Basil. I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we need uh, the, the whole sort of chessboard of British politics needs completely turning over. 
It really does. It, it does not serve us in any way, shape or form. And the sheer caliber of people that go into politics these days is absolutely abysmal. Most of them have never had jobs in anything else. They climb yes. a greasy pole by agreeing with their immediate superiors. And there's a kind of authoritarian group thing that takes hold of them, a neoliberal authoritarian globalist pro-Israel group think, and uh, it isn't what the people want at all. Absolutely it isn't. Thank you so much for joining me today, Basil. Been great talking to you. Everybody, this is Basil Valentine. I will be back very, very shortly with Matt Letissier. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, that's got you talking. Mally Bites in the comments says, our traitors in government lie to us constantly and Julian is in prison for telling the truth. He is indeed. It's the irony of life indeed, right? It's, uh, you know, you know what it's like. Anyway, I am delighted to welcome our next guest. He is, of course, football legend Matt Letissier. And uh, Matt is also a really stand-up geezer who put his head above the parapet a few years back now and uh, Matt, they've they've launched an assault on you ever since mainstream media. <laughs> they're so appalled by you stepping out of line. Everybody, it is Matt Letizia. Wonderful to see you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's News Talk TNT, Matt. Really good to have you. You were, of course, the talk of uh, the Jeremy Vine show this week. You put out a tweet, interesting tweet, Matt, in which you said, so I've been told at the Jeremy Vine, called me an anti-vaxxer live on his show this morning. Will you give me a right to reply live on tomorrow's show, Jeremy? It's only fair, right? And then you followed that by saying, so someone has untagged themselves from this conversation. One can only presume it's the Jeremy Vine or Jeremy Vine show, Matt, who did. So he called you an anti-vaxxer live on air, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, named me and uh, threw the uh, anti-vaxxer slur at me. Um, I mean, if he hasn't been awake for the last four years, I'm not sure how he's still using that term. Um, I mean, it's just it's just childish, and and it's beneath what should be um, on our media. Uh, sadly, 
there are still people like him who are completely brainwashed uh, who who think they can take the moral high ground by uh, by throwing the the anti-vaxxer slur around. He obviously he might want to take a look at the at the amount of adverse reactions there's been before he starts throwing those slurs around and perhaps maybe he wants to think twice about taking any more himself if in fact he's actually ever taken any. Oh, Matt introducing a note of controversy so early in the morning. Indeed, though, this is a very good question. It's a fair question, though. All these people who have been advocating for the experimental jab, have they really taken it? Because we've seen images, haven't we, where there's still tops on uh, on the injections, as one example. For those who aren't familiar with Matt, and why ever not, he is a former professional footballer. He won eight caps for the England national team. Matt is as near as damn it, a national treasure. And one of the reasons why they're so angry with Matt is because he stepped out from the mainstream and spoke up. Matt, tell us a little bit about your journey. You and I have talked before about it. And they really came after you, didn't they? You were a pundit on, I think, Sky Sports for quite a long time, weren't you? And yeah. what happened there? That was to do with Black Lives Matter, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, part of it. I mean, I, I was working on Sky for 15 years under contract, um, 18 years altogether, I think it was. Um, and yeah, in, in 2020, I, I, I kind of realised quite early on that things weren't quite as we were being told on the television. Um, and while still being employed by Sky, I was speaking out about what I felt was going on in the world, um, also criticising the mainstream media, which, of course, um, the company I was working for was part of. Um, but I, was, I wasn't criticising the sports department. I was criticising the, the news department. Um, I kind of knew that, yeah, probably they'd get, they'd probably end up getting a bit fed up in the end and, and <laughs> do what they did to me. Um, uh, I also was the first person at Sky who refused to wear the Black Lives Matter badge. Um, I, I wasn't particularly happy with being told that I, I needed to wear it. Otherwise, you know, I was pretty much told if I didn't wear it um, that, that I'd probably lose my job. Um, so I wasn't very happy with that. I wasn't very happy with, uh, the fact that we were kind of promoting this ideology, um, that I, I completely disagreed with. So, uh, I stood my ground and I said, no, I'm not wearing the badge. I'll wear any anti-racism badge you want me to wear because, uh, I'm, I'm not a racist. Um, but that's not a badge that I'm going to wear ever again. Um, and so, yeah, that, that probably didn't, um, help my case too much. I was also kind of criticizing a couple of football teams as well when the um the Premier League was due to to try to start up again in the summer of 2020 um and they were testing a lot of people and nobody was um nobody was really meant to say where those tests had come from so the Premier League would do like 1200 tests on everybody and they'll say something like oh there's been seven positive cases and nobody would know who they were from unless the teams themselves came out and said oh yes that's ours you know, there was no, there was no, they didn't have to do that. So the, the clubs chose to do that voluntarily. And so I started noticing a pattern that whenever these tests came out and the following day, one of the clubs would come out and say, yes, the positive tests were from our club. Now, the only clubs that were coming out and admitting that were the clubs that were either in the relegation zone or just above the relegation zone. And they were obviously not very keen on having the season start up again because obviously they get if they get relegated, there's going to be a lot less money for them next season. And they wanted the season scrapped so they could start afresh next season and then, you know, take all the riches that come with that again. And I just happened to make a couple of comments on that. And I got a phone call from 
um, the chief of football at, at Sky. And um, he, because uh, I, I tweeted that, um, I said, isn't it, isn't it a coincidence that the only clubs that are coming out and admitting to having COVID cases are the ones that are in the relegation zone or just above it? So <laughs> factually correct. Yes. Um, and so I got a phone call from from the uh, the head of football at Sky and he said, uh, I've had a complaint from one of the CEOs at one of the football clubs about your tweet. And I was like, all oh, right, which, which tweet? <laughs> I knew damn well which one it was. Um uh, so he said, "Well, he said the one about the, the relegated clubs." And I said, "Oh, I've, I said, have you got the tweet in front of you?" And he said, "He said, yeah." I said, "Can you read it to me?" So he read it to me, and I went, "Okay." Uh, I said, "Can you tell me what's factually incorrect about that tweet?" And he went, um, "Nothing." <laughs> and I went, "Well, there you go. Thanks very much." Uh, I said, "So there's no, uh, so I, can't, I don't need to take it down." I said, because factually it's correct. If somebody's got a guilty conscience about it, that's not my problem. And uh, and so, that, yeah, that was probably another thing that <laughs> that probably went against me when a few weeks after that um, they decided to get rid of me, yeah. Born in the side, which we absolutely love. Our viewers are delighted to see you with us today, Matt. Let me read a couple of messages. Easy E said, Matt was one of the best strikers of the ball outside of the box and corners. Amazing player. One of my boyhood heroes. Matt, you should be knighted. He's not going to be knighted because he's not been adhering to various orthodoxes. Peter Folder says, well done, Matt, for sticking to your principles. And I think we all feel like that about you, Matt. We, when we come back, I want to go more into detail about your journey. I presume, by the way, that Jeremy Vine hasn't so far this week given you a right to reply. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, call himself call himself a journalist, and yet there he is not uh, adhering to journalistic principles and and you know, name calling me live on television and not giving me a right to to reply. Shocking behaviour, but I didn't expect absolutely shocking yet. and defamatory. Frankly, we will go to the news headlines with Matt Boyland. We will be back very shortly. And here's the news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has fronted the media for the first time since his secret hospitalization. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. More mass graves containing victims of genocide have been unearthed in Africa, and it's been revealed the US has built up a supply of military equipment in Australia as it prepares for a potential war with China over Taiwan. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. So I am delighted to be talking to the football legend that is Matt Letissier. But for me, I've never been a major footballer follower, but he was one of the few names I actually did know. That's how huge and significant Matt has been on our social and cultural landscape um, during my lifetime. But for me, Matt really stood out when he started to speak out about COVID, about things like Black Lives Matter, because that takes so much courage when you're part of the mainstream to put your head above the parapet like that. And Matt, I always, I've said this to you before, I have total respect for you and you, 
you said, when people call me a conspiracy theorist, I take it as a compliment. Expand mm -hmm. on that, will you? Um, well, a lot of the things that were being spoken about three or four years ago, um, you know, when, when I would post things on, on social media, the immediate response was, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, um, and a lot of those things that I was talking about three or four years ago all came to fruition. And, uh, and so now I'm like, oh, okay. So if I'm a conspiracy theorist, that means, you know, I'm pretty much right on a lot more stuff than the mainstream media are. So I take that as a compliment because, because all the stuff that we're being spoken about, when I mentioned, you know, vaccine passports, you know, mandatory vaccinations uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff, everyone's just jumped on you going, oh, that's never going to happen. That won't ever happen. And then look what transpired afterwards. And it, it was only because of a... Um, uh, a huge backlash from the from the public that those mandatory vaccinations didn't take place. And let's be honest, with what we've seen now, um, with the amount of adverse reactions there there have been, um, and the fact that there was no long term safety data for these vaccinations, the fact that Pfizer pretty much lied in their trials, uh, hid data in their trials, um, all that kind of stuff, kind of means I'm I'm very very happy to been in the position that I took uh, and I will not for a single day for the rest of my life regret not taking those jabs. I mean, I completely agree with you. I've yet to meet anyone who regrets not having those jabs, including myself. But you didn't, you weren't prepared only to speak about out about COVID. As we said, Black Lives Matter, but you also weighed in on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which again, put you at odds with you know your sort of former mainstream thinkers, why did you do that? Again, that was very brave. Um, I, th I think because I, I don't like to see um, injustices. Um, I'm a Libra. I like things to be fair, and I like people to to hear both sides of a story. Um, and that's kind of the one of the big things for me is that we weren't being given both sides of the story. We were only ever been told one side of the story. Uh, and that's a dangerous place to be in for a democracy because you then allow your government, if they're in control of the media, um, to actually do basically whatever they want. They can, you know, go after dissidents. Um, they can uh, restrict your free speech. Uh, check out the online harms safety bill, um, and they'll they, they can go for you in in so many different ways. Uh, and that's what's happened. Uh, and I think it's dangerous that, that we don't get given uh, both sides of the story. Um, and I kind of think that's. That's kind of where my thinking was uh, the whole time. It's it's kind of it's about fairness, really. At the end of the day, for me, I, I completely agree with you. But also, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? And you and I have talked about this before. And it's like you're like unraveling a ball of wool in many respects, or peeling an onion. But it's like mm -hmm. one thing links to another, doesn't it? You know, when you realise they were lying about COVID, and then suddenly you realise they're also lying about Russia and Ukraine, and they're also lying about, you know, the, the excess deaths, for example, they're still not admitting to that. I don't know if you saw Rishi Sunak in Parliament this week where he's he's doubling down and saying that these jabs are safe. Matt, this is horrendous. You face criticism for also calling for investigations into links regarding um, players collapsing on, on, on the field. I mean, that we know that people have always died suddenly, right? That's not a new phenomenon. But I've talked yeah. to doctors and it is absolutely clear there is an increase in that from a, a, a footballer's perspective, a former footballer's perspective, a sportsman's perspective. Well, how does this all strike you about this died suddenly phenomenon amongst sports people? Well, you know, I 
sports pretty much the only thing I, I watch on the television. So so I've got a pretty good barometer of, of things that happen. I started seeing things in 2021 um, through to 2022 where too many incidents were taking place on the field of play where young, fit athletes were, were collapsing in numbers that I'd never seen before. Yes, people have collapsed before. I, I've never uh, not said that they haven't, but they haven't collapsed in these numbers before. And I was witnessing it and I felt like, People who were in charge of um, the the relevant organisations like the Professional Footballers Association, FIFA Pro, or the World Players um, Union, they were doing nothing, but they were just ignoring it. Nobody was mentioning it, and it was a dereliction of duty, I think, on their behalf of the unions to not be protecting their players and calling for an investigation to see why this phenomenon was happening. I I never once said that. Everything that's happening on those on those sports fields is because of the jab. I never once said that. All I did was call for an investigation to find out what it is that was that was doing it. And because I took that stance, again, uh, the mainstream media attacked me. Uh, and and yet, all I was doing was calling for an investigation. Why why would they attack me for calling for an investigation? I'll tell you why they attacked me. Because they don't want to have an investigation because they don't want to let the answer out to everybody because they know what the answer is and they're not prepared to let that out because once the public realise how much they've been lied to by the mainstream media, it's game over. I mean, that is the reality and and you are a problem because people listen to you. They, they wouldn't bother about you. You wouldn't have Jeremy Vine using his TV show to call you an anti-vaxxer if you were not a problem. You're a threat which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Craig Campbell says not just that, but the medical emergencies in the crowds. It's every week. So, yeah, it's not just on the on the mm. pitch, is it? It's also, you know, the spectators as well. It's absolutely horrendous, hidden in plain sight. Said so many young, older, fit pupils now dropped or just dead. It's unbelievable that the brain dead, brainwashed, ju just don't see it, which is why we need you even more, Matt. And uh, honestly, <laughs> I take my hat. No, truly, I take my, I, 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 you know, there's no sides to me. I say it as I see it. And the, the fact is, is that what you have done has been extremely brave. There's no getting away from it, it you know, because you had so much to lose and you've been penalised. You've been dropped from hosting gigs, right? I mean, that uh, I remember the thing with Jersey Balls when yeah. they announced, right? Weren't you due to, to do a, an evening um, talk or something? And then they suddenly announced they were dropping you. And public dropping is horrible. It's designed to humiliate you. But you came back very robust. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the the, the Jersey Bulls had booked me to speak at their end of season awards dinner. Um, my after dinner speech that that I do and have been doing for for twenty years um, is purely about my football career and about my broadcasting career. Um, so I, I don't even touch on any of the other stuff during my uh, during my stuff unless I'm specifically asked to do so. Uh, and so ITV made a big fuss. ITV Jersey. You know, it wasn't even the wasn't even the public of Jersey. It was the media of Jersey made a big fuss and basically threatened the Jersey Bulls to say that if if they allow me to speak at their dinner, they will be covering it and they will be covering it as a controversial event because I was just happened to be in the room talking about my football career. And uh, unfortunately, the Jersey Bulls um, they, they they caved to the pressure of the media. Uh, and um, yeah, they, they 
they actually um, cancelled me from the event, although they still offered to pay me my my full fee, um, which was you know very kind of them. But uh, you know that, that that wasn't the that, that that wasn't what it was all about. Absolutely outrageous, and Matt. Before you go, tell us about these gummy bears that I've I've seen you talk about. Do you take them yourself? I do indeed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I must admit I've noticed a, a big difference with my family. With my my wife takes it for. Uh, the uh, the actual CBD oil she takes for her osteoarthritis. Um, um, I take the gummies before I go to bed, uh, and I get a, a beautiful night's sleep with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people will will uh, um, will diss the idea, uh, but unless you've actually tried it and it doesn't work for you, then um, you know th- there's not a lot of point commenting. Really, I tried it; it worked for me, and that's the only reason why I will promote it on my social media. This is the I think it's a, probably the first thing I've ever regularly promoted on my social media in 15 years of being on on Twitter. So, uh, wow. and I wouldn't do it unless I I knew it had worked for me. Yeah, I have no doubt. You're a man of ethics. Of that, I have no doubt whatsoever, which is why I'm even more delighted that you've joined us today for Friday's edition of the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk TNT. Everybody, this is the phenomenal Matt Letissier. Walk in the talk, and we love to see it. Be back shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. You know, there's no escaping from the liberal propaganda. If you sat down to escape into NBC's show Chicago Med last Wednesday, this is the crap you had shoved down your throat. Wait, why are you moving my wife? Sir, please, it's just temporary. Hey, Mr. Martin. Okay, what's going on? Did you two authorize this? Mr. Martin, my apologies. It appears we're momentarily You think I don't see what's going on, but you're giving all the rooms to them. Hold on now. Same thing happened at my kid's school. They commandeered her gym for a shelter. Look, wait, I assure you we have enough resources to take care of everyone. No, we don't. People keep saying that, but we just don't, okay? The whole volleyball season got canceled, and my daughter needed that for a scholarship, and now my wife. She's obviously not receiving your full attention. How come nobody's looking out for us? A legitimate question. They're kicking his wife out to make room for an illegal alien. I understand that this is an inconvenience, but we do need to free up this room. Okay, go no, ahead. Get away from her. Wait, Wait, please. Stop handling me. Get away from me! Get off Down, of me! Mr. Morris. Get off of me! Get off of me! And the racist white man gets taken away by the police. Exactly what he deserves. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Hi. I'm your retirement fear. But don't be scared. You're still in pre-tirement. Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Retirement savings options? <laughs> Potential tax breaks. Ooh. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Fear is all around us, isn't it? It's being constantly projected at us because it is, of course, a control mechanism because we are smart enough at TNT to realize that. And so I thought it would be great to bring in somebody who understands it probably even better than me. And uh, he is Austin Moore. Austin is an NLP life skills coach, but there is so much more to Austin. Welcome, Austin. Thank you for joining us on today's News Talk TNT. How are you doing? I'm um, good, thank you. I'm, I'm actually in Spain at the moment, so I'm 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 very happy. <laughs> What's the weather like? Lovely, lovely, bright and sunny. Oh, 
Jealous, 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 jealous. Right. So we, you and I did have a conversation about how fear is obviously it's constantly used in our headlines as a control mechanism. And we talked about how to do something more productive about that rather than because obviously the thing about fear is it immobilizes people, doesn't it? It just makes people like, you know, sometimes be completely rigid to the spot. But you have some very interesting qualifications. You were in Fear Factor. Tell people about Fear Factor. Uh, yeah, Fear Factor was a show on Sky One, actually, which was to test whether uh, basically who had the least fear and could accomplish stunts um, and challenges. And they flew you out to sort of Argentina to, to take part in these different tasks. Um, and then whoever had the least fear basically won the show, which luckily was me. <laughs> so you're fearless. Well, not quite. Um, I'm not keen on spiders, I must admit. And uh, they didn't put any spiders in front of me. If they put massive tarantulas in front of me, I, I probably would have still been all right, but it wouldn't have been my finest moment. <laughs> well, we all have to be scared of something, don't we? Anyway, that's isn't that evolutionary, the whole idea that we, we're scared of smart spiders and snakes because some of them can truly harm us. So we, we need to have a degree yeah. of fear, don't we? Yeah, well, it's like we've all got the same fight or flight responses in us that's the same in all animals. Um, and that's there to protect us, isn't it, from danger. But historically, going back thousands of years, those dangers would have just been right there and then at that moment. Um, whereas now we tend to have lots of fear continually all the time, which is probably why we see people suffering from high levels of anxiety and depression and stuff, because it's permanently there. Whereas before it would only be at that moment when you had to worry about it. At that, at that second that something might be about to attack you. And then you've got the fight or flight response where you either run away, which is much more common. Most people run away. Um, we know that because if you look at things which you can... So do you remember the attack on near London Bridge where you had yes. hundreds, hundreds of people watching and filming, but you had only about one or two people actually trying to take on the assailant. So if you look at it as a percentage of fight or flight, there's only a very small number that have fight. The rest mostly have flight. Right. And we know for fact that some of our media delib deliberately ramp up fear. In fact, it was reported at the COVID, the UK COVID inquiry recently that the BBC had over egged the pudding regarding COVID in order to be able to push for lockdown. This is fairly outrageous stuff that's been revealed about our national broadcast. We know that they are absolutely biased and, and were complete pushes of COVID and lockdown. But what do you think about this revelation? It doesn't surprise me at all. I think when I was on uh, a show with you previously, we discussed also the SAGE behavioural sciences, didn't we, uh, meeting that they had, where they said in there, we're going to basically increase the perceived level of fear in humans. Uh, we're going to try and increase things like uh, social disapproval, which if you think about it, social disapproval is still rooted in fear because you want to be liked, you want to be accepted by other people around you. You don't want to lose friends and people. So you're fearful of that. So if I can make people around you disapprove of your actions, that's still going to play into a fear. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think we we were talking earlier about, is it on the increase? It's on the increase because we now, technology's allowed it to increase. So if you think about it, go back a long time ago, you might see the news just in the morning when you have the TV on, or you might hear it in the radio on the way to work. But with technology now and our gadgets and our phones, we can constantly be subjected to it 
24-7. As long as that's there in our hand or we're looking, we, we can never get away from it. And the thing with fear is as well, and things like fear, anxiety, and stuff like that, people who have it often want to actually keep looking at the thing that's good because they want to keep up to date with the thing they're worried about. So they feed oh. it. They feed it even more because they want to know because they're so worried about this thing that they keep looking. <laughs> that is just a vicious cycle. Absolutely. In, in, in preparation for you coming on today, I did a sweep of uh, headlines around the world of um, international and national and just looked at some of them are really scary. So you get things like cancer deaths are set to rocket by over 50 percent by 2050. And then you get people who are talking about conscription, about how, you know, somebody was quoted from an estate saying, I can't go to war. And um, then you have all, all of the, obviously, the endless headlines about immigration that we hear a lot about. Um, there's, there was even in one headline, actually, the word fear. Fears millions of Brits face waiting until summer for mortgage relief. So they don't even bother hiding it. I mean, it's interesting you say that when we read these kind of fearful headlines, and, and one of them that you want to talk about is the plethora of conscription headlines that we've been subjected to, because that's spreading around the world. I think that might have started off in the UK with the head of the British Army making that suggestion. Now we've seen it in all different places, I think, including France, Malaysia, Australia. So it's like a lockstep that's taking place. What is that all about? Yeah, I think... I mean, so we've, we've seen an increase because the gadgets have increased it. We've always known that fear sells, doesn't it? Um, you know, I think you and I said that since November of last year, I think every single week there was another there was another storm coming, wasn't there? Another, another beast from the east or something, and we were going to be deluged by snow. It is every week, and it never happened, and it's January. It still hasn't come, but if it does, they'll say, I told you, even though they were telling us every week from November. So... And we know that fear itself sells um, and we know what it and, and it's been a control me mechanism going way back. I mean, so far back. I mean, you can read about it in the Roman times, can't you? It's just like it's always used to control and manipulate the people, whether it's in religions or whatever. What's interesting at the moment is the fact that we we used to see different things in different mainstream media. But now we seem to see, like you said, a, a lockstep, like a coordinated approach where you see the same thing absolutely everywhere saying the same message and the only place you see anything different to that is outside of that in independent type of different media outlets whether it's you know, individuals or, or shows like this you you kind of see something completely different and what i think is happening is i think whereas the mainstream media used to almost compete with each other i think they now see other independent outlets as actually an enemy and there's a there's obviously a plan because of, of, of the fear and the messaging they're doing since COVID, that there is some bigger plan, I think, around control in the future that's being coordinated. But I think now they need to almost coordinate in attacking what they see as the enemy, those independent people or those voices that now have a platform. Those are their enemy now and they want to get rid of them. So anybody that says anything different now is completely destroyed. In the Roman times, it would have been, if you're saying something different, you're executed. Now you're not executed. You're just literally destroyed. Everything about you is destroyed. Right, you're, right. You're, you're done. You're like, they went after, like they went after Matt Letizia. They went after his family. That kind of obscenity. How dare you step out of line, young man? We are now going to demonize you, your family, your son, your daughter-in-law. They just went for him. Absolutely savagery. I completely take your point. So 
now we recognize it. We know it's there. This is media by consensus that that's what they're doing. They're operating a consensus, aren't they? As you say, they're, you know, they're all kind of in agreement with their headlines. We went to the news agent right now. We would see that probably five out of 10 of the headlines were almost identical on the front pages. You know, this is not an exaggeration. It happens. So we recognize it. We know the impact it's having on us. Okay. And so obviously, what we need to work out is how to either minimize or eliminate the impact it has on us. Can you help us with that? Well, there's two things there. There's on the big scale, are we eliminating it as in what are we going to do about it on a larger global scale? If it's a well, larger global scale, then everyone's going to have to rise up against it and push their voice out there to reject it and to fight against it if you really want to change it. So you, nothing is ever achieved by doing nothing at all. If you think it's just going to go away, it won't. You know, that's the same as if you thought you're just going to have a jab and you were going to fly forever. You're not. It, it's the same thing. You can't just do nothing and sit back. Um, most people, they say, don't they? Most people die in bed. So it's much better to get up and get moving. So from a, from a personal perspective, though, if we're talking about, let's say, mental health and stuff like that, anxiety and stress and stuff like that, then there's two options, isn't there? There's to um, limit exposure and build resilience. So you're trying to do the two things here was limit the exposure and build resilience. So it's difficult to build resilience if you're constantly seeing it all the time. So really, you have to start with um, this kind of like limiting its exposure. So that's things like the phone, you know, stop grabbing the phone and looking constantly, stop feeding it all the time. And I would say try and limit your exposure to things like let's say the BBC. If we're if we're talking one of them, you know, don't just don't watch it. Just it's as simple as that. Try not to watch it. Yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things you'd never know about. And you wouldn't have ever been scared about had you not turned it on and looked at it. So don't look at it. Um, and and then building the resilience. If you can limit exposure. So I personally don't have. You know, I cancelled my. BBC subscription. I don't watch the BBC. I don't have anything to do with it because once I realise, hang on a minute, this is biased, like you said earlier, and it's it's not, you know, and it's not doing me any good watching it. I'm not really getting a true representation because not only do they put a message out, they also suppress things, so you don't see things either. So at the moment, on the you know, are you seeing anything about? There's lots of um, uh, um, these. Uh, protests from farmers across Europe, but you're not really seeing it. it's happening, but you don't see it. So there's a su su suppression of truth as well as I'm going to push the fear and the narrative I want, but I'm going to suppress the truth. So actually, there's no really, if you think about it, benefit to watching that. So limit your exposure to it and then build some resilience over time. So watch the things that do mean something to you, this show, others, where you get what you want. And then if you want to slowly look at the other things, and learn to build a resilience against them affecting you, then that's the only way you're really going to do it. Yes. There was, I don't know if you're familiar with this, there was a study done about 12 years ago. And so this guy had set himself a task of reading only the Daily Mail for 30 days. And the idea <laughs> was for him to be monitored how this impacted him. And uh, during that period of time, they discussed that he became much more sort of um, 
anti-people in many respects. He he was angry, much be, became angrier. He became depressed. Um, he began to be much more suspicious about people's motives. And I think all these things are very interesting, aren't they? Because these are kind of subtexts that exist in newspapers and in the media. Like you say, it's not just what they're telling us, it's what they're omitting to tell us. So the fact yeah. that they're not telling us about the French farmers and the Belgian farmers and now the British farmers, by the way, it also sort of sends a message of what you're doing isn't good enough to make the news, right? So that it has a kind of, and also you did mention to me about when they go up, obviously they go after people and, and doing that, like with Joe Rogan, for example, like with Matt Letissier and Russell Brand, if you want. But it, that also sends a message, doesn't it, for to other people to pipe down. Pipe down, yeah. There's also something else that I meant to bring up that's quite important as well. It's like, is relationships. We're all in a relationship. So if I say to you, are you in a relationship? You might say, well, I'm not in a relationship. I'd say you are. You're in a relationship with your media. You're in a relationship Oof. with your government. They are all a relationship. So actually what you need to do is reassess your relationships that you've got. So it, is my relationship with my government one where I actually really believe them and I trust them and I think they're faithful to me and they've got my best interests at heart? Is that my relationship with the government? Is that my relationship with the BBC and mainstream media that I do genuinely believe everything they say? So you need to reassess those relationships because that, which is difficult because that's people want the world to be safe. They want the world. To be safe. This comes from fear again. You want your reality to be a safe one. So you want to believe that your government has your best interests at heart. That's what you want to believe. Huh. That's because that's nice, isn't it? If I take yes, that away, comforting that the level of chaos. And I, I, I can't believe they they haven't got my best interests at heart. But we can go back for thousands of years and you'll find that no government's ever had anybody's best interests at heart. No. They never because the job of a politician really recruits the type of person who goes into it to have control over people and power. Those people are never particularly nice. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> oddly enough. Narcissists, aren't they? <laughs> yes, so your relationship yes. is with those types of people. So reassess what you believe. Once you decide you haven't got my best interest in heart, you, you think, well, I don't need to really believe anything you say anymore. So that doesn't bother me because I don't trust it anymore because it's just not true. So what we need to do is we need to take our attention away from this. We and so it's like a three-factor thing that you're talking about. We need to limit our exposure, but we also you there comes a point where it is good to be able to um, develop this sort of, uh, for want of a better description, an almost defense factor against it, because I can now look at mainstream headlines and I immediately see through them. I'm like, okay, well, that's what's really happening. And they're omitted to say this. So it it, it comes in, in many ways, but really this is about protecting ourselves from the next manipulation. Because before you and I, for example, we've talked about monkeypox. Well, that lasted all of like 36 seconds, didn't it, in the mainstream media, but they gave it a good shot, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And it still made it through to, um, so if you rang up the doctors for something, there was a line on there. And one of the options was, you know, ringing about your monkeypox vaccine. So it already made it through to the NHS and on a line, you know, it gone that quickly that you, were, you you could answer the phone about monkeypox. So that's how quick it became Abs something. 
Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It's amazing the speed in which this dis and misinformation can travel around the world, whereas, as you say, the truth is so frequently suppressed. Thank you so much, Austin, for joining us today on the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. And this is Friday, people, and we are delighted to be here. Of course, today we've heard the fantastic news that TNT are going to be broadcasting live from the Julian Assange hearing later this month. Absolutely delighted to be part of a station that considers that a priority. Because as Austin is just saying, we need now, we need a much better media. And uh, you're looking at it. So I want to wish you all a tremendous weekend. Thank you so much, Austin, for joining us. Thank you, all commenters on every platform, including in, the, in our live chat. Thank you, the whole team. This has been today's News Talk. This is the Sonia Poulton Show. Have a tremendous weekend. And you know why? Because you're worth it. See you Monday.